by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. It's crazy how this is working out, but the series before this series, we talked about faith, Abraham and his nephew Lot, and the story of Abraham. Well, then we got this Series, we've been talking about Lot a lot. <laughs> Remember last, last week, we talked about Lot's journey and, and how he didn't follow the Lord. He didn't choose the things of God. He, he, he chose to live in that darkness of this world. He chose to live in Sodom, and his soul was vexed. And, and he never did change his mind about that. We see that God gave him chance after chance. In fact, when God was about to rain down fire and brimstone and destroy the wickedness of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Sot was still milling around in the house, and the angels were saying, Come on, we got to go. And he grabbed them by the hand, and he, by the mercy of God, he brought them out and gave Lot another chance. Too bad for Lot's wife. Because she looked back, and guess what? <laughs> she got fired from her job description. <laughs> Literally, she got fired. But God gave Lot another chance. But we see, if you read on, that Lot still didn't do anything with another chance. How many of you ever need God to cut you some slack? Every day. I need him to cut me some right now. And does he? Is his mercy new every morning? Is his forgiveness as fresh as you saying, I'm sorry, God, I repent? Will he give you another chance? He's not the God of a second chance. He's the God of another chance. Some make the most of their another chance, but some are like Lot. But some people I see in the Bible who made the most of their another chance was like Abraham. God had promised him that he would be the father of many nations, even though him and his wife were barren and old, and they were well past childbearing years, but he says, I'm going to give you an heir, and you're going to be the father of many nations. Well, Abraham grew weary, and he, he decided to trust in his flesh, and he slept with a younger woman to make, try to make that come to pass. That wasn't God's way. But did God give up on Abraham? Gave him another chance. And then guess what? He became the father of many nations. And his wife bore a child at 90 years old. They called him Isaac. What about Peter? Was he given another chance? Wasn't he the one that said, Jesus, I, if everybody else leaves you, I never will. I'm willing to die for you. I heard a rooster crow. <laughs> and then three times he denied he even knew Jesus that very night. And man, he wept bitterly. He just felt so bad. 
But then he was out on the boat that day, and I guess he was, I guess I'll go back to my old fishing. I, I've ruined this Christianity. I've denied my Lord. I, can you imagine how he must have felt? Maybe you've been there in your life. You're backslidden. That's what we call it today, isn't it? You've done something, and instead of running to Jesus, you run from him. And you've been out there too long, and you're out on the water, and somebody says, look, that's Jesus. I tell you what, it says Peter jumped out of that boat, and he swam. He couldn't wait for the boat to get to shore. He swam to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He restored Peter. Say restored. Do you know our dad's family business is restoration? And Peter went on to be one of the cornerstones. He, he went on to be a pillar in the house of God. And to do great things, he made the most of his another chance. I guess you could say, like Jesus told him in the garden that night, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter learned to live in the Spirit, just as Abraham learned to live by faith and not the works of the flesh. You see, these are things that we're learning and God is showing us this year, it seems to be. What about Saul, who was a Pharisee? Man, he was a religious uh, scholar. He was top-grade muckety-muck of the religious sect. But he was persecuting the Christians. He was, he was zealous about what, what he was doing. He thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians and throwing them in the jail. But Jesus knocked him off that high horse of religion with a blinding light. And the Bible says that Jesus says, he, he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. That is a, a symbol of a mule when it's put in, on, in front of a cart. Often they, they're stubborn. They don't want any restraints. They don't want to be in the harness. So they will kick the cart, and they'll, they'll actually kick the cart apart and tear it up. So they used to put spikes on the front of the cart, like nails and stuff. And so when that mule would kick, he'd say, oh, 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 I ain't doing that again. It's called pricks. And Jesus is saying, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And some of you out there, I'm sure out there, maybe not in here, but you've been fighting against God for so long. You don't want to be restrained. You don't, want to, you don't want to pull the weight for Jesus. You want to do your own thing. And you've been kicking against the pricks for so long. Best thing ever happened to old self-righteous religious Saul was for God to knock him off his high horse and blind him so that he could open his eyes anew and then begin to call him Paul. And use him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound us. We say, he used him? Wait, that, that girl that was in the gutter, 
She was shooting up. Now God is using her to do what? Oh, the light has never shone more brightly when it's coming through a broken vessel. Your limitations, your past, your bad decisions, your sins even, that he has saved you from, they don't disqualify you. They qualify you for the things of God. He who is forgiven much loves much. Do you see what I'm saying? There's no excuse. Get harnessed up with Jesus. You see, Jesus took Paul from a, a religious relationship. He took him from a religious state of mind to a relationship state of mind. Then I think about the woman at the well. She had five husbands, and the man that she was living with now was not her husband. And Jesus began to talk to her. She began to ask questions, and boy, she was feisty. She wanted to, she wanted to argue with Jesus. But Jesus just talked with her. And before it was over, he revealed that he was the Son of God. He was the Christ that was to come. He was going to be the object and the source of her worship. And she left there that day from a life of sin with a life of purpose. She left her water pots. She left the burdens that she had been carrying there. And she got about telling people about Jesus. She began to find fulfillment. What a beautiful story of a life of sin to a life of purpose. And then there's the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king of Israel. And he was one of the few good kings. He was the man who had a heart to do the things of God. He was doing really well, leading the people to follow God. And God, I guess, wanting to be gracious to King Hezekiah, told the prophet Isaiah, go tell King Hezekiah this sickness that he's having right now. I guess he was an older man. Go tell him that it's going to end in death, so he might as well get his affairs in order. You know, letting him know. You know, this is your time is up down here, you know. You're coming home. So go ahead and get your affairs in order. But Hezekiah wasn't ready to go yet. And the Bible says he turned his face to the wall. I imagine him laying on his sick bed, about to die. And the prophet Isaiah comes in and says, Get your affairs in order. God says you're about to come home. And he turns his face to the wall. His tears began to come down his face. He cried out to the Lord. He said, remember, God, how I, I've done everything to serve you. How I've given you my heart. and I've tried to do what's right. Have mercy on me. And Isaiah had left, and he was walking 
through the courtyard on the way out, and God stopped him. Well, Isaiah, go back. Tell Hezekiah, we'll give him 15 more years. It pays to walk close to God. Are you walking so close to God that when those tears stream down your face, God can hear the splash on your pillow? We're given another chance so that we can show mercy to others who need another chance. It's a terrible thing to see people get another chance and God clean them up and help their life get on track and they, they get their finances in order, they get their house in order, they get their religious duties straight, they go to church, they, they feel good about themselves. And then they forget where they came from. And they begin to treat other people as less than because they ain't to the place that I am. That's horrible, isn't it? Should not happen. God gives us another chance, so we'll go out and give somebody else another chance. Not so we'll shut the door on them. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Boy, when I got a hold of that scripture, you say, and then James 2 was even worse. James 2, 13 says, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. When I got a hold of those two scriptures, I started thinking, Lord, let me not be harsh with anybody. Let me not shut the door on anybody. And I dare say there's nobody in here or nobody I, that, that, that knows me since I've been following the Lord could say that I have shut the door of mercy on them. And I've cut them off and said that you're beyond hope or you're beyond help. Oh, I feel good about giving mercy and another chance to somebody else because I know it opens the door for me because I'm going to need another chance before today's over, I bet you. Hmm. It puts you in position. You see, Dad's business is restoration. And it's a family business. And he wants his family all working in the business of restoration. And as I was thinking about these scriptures and stuff, I said, you know, it says that over here on our Who banner, who we are as a church. We're a warm, fun-loving family eager to reach out with God's love and do what? Restore all who have lost their way. Sometimes when I quote it, I think I may just skip out and say, reach out with God's love to all who have lost their way. But no, it says, and restore. You see, because everyone matters. We're a hospital of hope. <clears throat> and, our, and we're a fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's who God, that's the family business right there. This, this is God's family business. He's got, he, 
is, what's he call it when you got a chain? It's called, he's uh, franchised it. He's franchised it all over the world. We're, we're in DeSoto County, God's house. Amen? Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, in other words, if a man is in sin, he said any sin, any trespass, you know, not the one that you don't deem is so bad, but any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Say restore. restore. Are you in the restoration business? Are you in the demolition business? And how do you do it? Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Not with a haughty attitude. All right, I'm going to give you another chance, but man, you're making me look bad, you know. Why don't you do that? Because considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Because guess what? Tomorrow you'll probably do something worse. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you see somebody struggling financially, go over there and help carry their cross. When you see somebody down and lonely, go over there and help them bear the loneliness. When you see somebody caught in sin, go over there and gently restore them. Follow the Holy Spirit in the spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, our ambassador's handbook, it spells out our job requirements. It says, give, and it shall be given. It says, show mercy, and you will be shown mercy. It says, judge not, lest you be judged. It sounds like God wants us to meet him halfway. Like Brother Rick said, in God's kingdom, we give, then it will be given. He's looking for faith out of his children to take the first step. Our step may be a baby step, but God always meets us where we're at as long as you're moving in the right direction. Amen? Amen. Galatians 5.15 says, but, mm, but if you bite and devour one another, I'm looking at the Amplified, that means bickering and strife. If you're bickering and striving against one another, watch out that you, along with your entire fellowship, are not consumed of one another, that you don't devour one another. How many times have we talked about this is the pool that we swim in? This is who we are. This is our culture. We want to be God-honoring, God-pleasing. And to do that, we must love one another. We must fulfill the great commandment to love the Lord our God, but love our neighbor as ourselves. We must. 
not bicker and be in strife. There's a guy that had got stranded on a desert island for like 12 years. And he had survived by eating fish and kelp and local vegetation and trapping rainwater and stuff. Somehow he had survived 12 years when they found him and rescued him. And he had three structures that he had built on the island. And they asked him, what are these? He said, the big one over there is my house. And the other one next to it is where I worship. They said, what about that third one? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> you know why that's funny? Because that man was by himself and couldn't get along. <laughs> that's where I used to go to church. I'm not saying there's not a time God will lead you somewhere else or whatever. But there's a right way. But most of the time, God wants to leave us planted so that we can be like oaks planted by the living water. That's where we get our roots down deep and God gets the nutrients. Begins to, that's when we begin to grow as Christians. So many just, they bicker and strife in the church that they're in. They muddy the water of the pool and then say, I can't swim in this no more. I got to go find greener pastures. But then they take this bickering and strife with them where they go. At some point, humble yourself and let God make you into a merciful, spiritual person, a loving, kind. You know, uh, our life group has been like heaven on earth, the one I have at my house this time. It's just, we had, we had the living room filled up with people, but it's like a revival in the life group. I mean, people just coming, and uh, they're bringing food. <laughs> I think that might be it. No, <laughs> that's part of it, because we're supposed to break bread together. And boy, we've been breaking the bread, you know what I'm saying? We've been eating good in the neighborhood. And uh, we were fellowshipping. There's such uh, a, a gentle spirit and love and kindness. And we sit in a circle and at the, we, we'll sing songs together. We don't even need a guitar or instrumentation. We'll just start singing. Somebody will have something. We begin to discuss things that bring real life. Because our life group is called the real life life group, and it's based on Colossians 3.3, which says you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And so we're talking about things that bring life. And two weeks ago, we talked about that the Word of God is the bread of life, and everything, our, our plan and our, our life is hidden in this Word if we'll seek it out, and it brings life to our spirit. It's spiritual food for us, brings life. And then we talked about the Spirit of God. He's the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, and he dwells in our mortal bodies. So the Spirit of God brings life. He's the originator of all life. And then last week, we, oddly enough, we started beginning to talk about if you lay down your life, 
you will find your life. Whew. Thank you, God, for showing us that. Because life is meant to give away. The more life you give away, the more life you get. But if you hold on to your little vexed life in this world, you'll lose the life that God wants to get to you. So, Am I making sense today? But th this life group is it, so beautiful. It's like, it's like visiting heaven for a, an hour and a half. This is the way it's supposed to be. I, now, I don't know what's going on in everybody's head. They might all be saying, I ain't getting that at all. But, but outwardly, it feels like heaven. And, and while I'm here, I might as well just encourage you. If you hadn't been going to a life group, they're open to you. And, and if you've been to a life group and it didn't work out for you and, or whatever, and you got tired of it, and, and we all keep going back to this schedule thing, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Pastor Vickers sent me an email the other day, said something along the lines of, if you're busy, you'll never be fruitful, and if you're fruitful, you'll never be busy. I said, that's good. You've got to make time for the things that is important in your life. It's life-changing. That's why we call them life groups. So, do we really want the revival that we believe is beginning to take hold in America to happen here? So, how do we prepare? What are we to do as a church? Well, I look and I see when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it says they were, they were in the upper room and they were all in one what? They were in one accord. Doesn't sound like striving and bickering to me. It sounds like they got their hearts together and they, they all was in agreement that, yes, we want you, God. We want more of you, God. They were like, eh, you know, I just want to keep on doing regular, you know, more traditional church. You know, I'm, I don't know about all those moves of God stuff. If you're happy about same old, same old, you might be in the wrong place or you might be thinking wrong. We have not plumbed even the, the surface level of the depths of God here at Passion Church yet. Deep is calling unto deep. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the Spirit of God speaking through me right now. Deep is calling you deeper. There is more to this life than you have experienced thus far. Mm. Unity is where the Holy Spirit moves. And unity requires humility and a willingness to lay down your plans and let God have control. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and have a humble attitude. Is that so hard? It, it sounds, I mean, we're, amen, until somebody steps on our toes getting out of the row or something, you know. I'm going to get you after church. <laughs> Man, I deal with the flesh too. I know what it's like. But if we would all just say, that's not who I am anymore. 
and we would recognize the devil's devices. Recognize when the devil's trying to use us to bring division. Recognize, no, that's not who I am anymore. I am a child of God. I'm working in the restoration business. That's who I am. That's what I do. You're a restorer. You're <laughs> the, the, the reason I know it's hard is like I catch myself like on a lazy Sunday afternoon drive. Me and Angie, we driving down the road. We might roll the windows down, do this number here. We got some music playing. We worshiping God. We just, we got it all, you know, we just so relaxed. Man, the sun's come out, you know, it's not too hot, not too cold. It's beautiful. Man, we, we got nowhere to go, and we ain't got to get there fast. And so we're just enjoying the drive. And here comes somebody behind me on a two-lane road, honking, trying to get around, passing me on the wrong side. <laughs> then telling me I'm number one. I'm like, what's wrong with these people? I am so self-righteous. I cannot believe that these people would act like that. They need to slow down. And I can preach a whole message on what they ought to do. Then on Monday morning, I'm on the way to work. Doing 95. Oh, I'm passing people on the right-hand side. Speed up, you idiot. You're number one with me, you know. You know you do the same thing. You play both sides of the wheel. You burn both ends of the candle, don't you? Whatever's convenient to you. Right? And that's the way the human nature is. We can show, pick out somebody else's flaws when we will believe all of our excuses about the very same thing. And what God is saying is how about we cut other people the same slack that we want to have in our life? Give other people another chance. There's a story of David. He's anointed to be king, but he ain't king yet. It's been many years since he was anointed. He's a young man. Now he's even in the service of King Saul. And he plays the harp to keep Saul from going crazy because God took his presence from Saul because Saul is rebellious, but yet he's still king. So David's a mighty man of God, and he's been a general for King Saul. And when he comes back from war, the women sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands, and now Saul's all jealous. He's not happy about somebody else's success the way we ought to be. And so, he begins to try to kill David. He has just let his nasty spirit go. And if you'll just let yourself go to the things of this life, you'll be so nasty, man, you won't even know how you got there. And he's trying to kill David. And in one time in particular, he heard that David was in a certain area. And so he brought 3,000 men to kill David and his men. David's got like 300 men. And he just wants to kill David. And he goes in this, this cave, it says to relieve himself, 
And while he's there, he doesn't realize that David and his men are hidden further back in the cave. And David's men are whispering to David, The Lord has brought him into your hands. Get him. Get him. He's right there. And David is, David is so humble. He says, Far be it from me to touch the Lord's anointed. He still respected the office of king. Even when the man wasn't right. He still respected God's authority. David went over there and he clipped, he snuck up on Saul in the darkness of that cave and cut a little bitty corner off his robe and then felt bad about that. When this man has been trying to kill him for years, he had him and his men were like, and David's like, hush. And he wouldn't let his men kill him. And Saul got through, I don't know, he must have, Never mind. And so Saul's leaving. He's walking, you know, back to his camp on the other side over there. And David comes out of the cave and he says, Saul. And he prostrates, prostrates himself. He gets on the ground and says, It's your humble servant, David, the one you're trying to kill. I just want you to know that you've been believing lies. People have been telling you that I'm against you, but I'm for you. And I got a piece of your robe, and I just want you to know I could have killed you. But to show you that I, I respect your office, I didn't. And Saul, it was so obvious that his life had just been spared. He said, David, you're a better man than I am. He yelled back across. I'm sorry. And he repented for a moment. But then later on, you know what? He went right back to trying to kill, him, kill David. We can be good for a minute, but without the Spirit of God, we can't be consistent. You know what our default is when we don't have the Spirit of God? Ugly, nasty, mean. If you've been ugly, nasty, and mean, you've got to ask yourself, Am I being led by the Spirit or by the flesh? David said in 1 Samuel 24, 12, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs that you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. If somebody is trying to kill you, let the Lord take care of it. What's that scripture says? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Let the Lord repay. We don't have to avenge ourselves. And, and I found that people who have harmed me or trying to harm me, if I just, if I think about it, my old nasty flesh will rise up and I'll be wanting to do something stupid and I'll be the one who gets caught. You ever notice in an NFL football game, the first guy will whomp the other guy and then the second guy whomps him back and the official sees the second guy? He don't see the first guy? <laughs> That's the way it'll, it'll work on you. Then I got one more requirement, job requirement that I see in the Word of God that we hadn't mentioned yet. It's to forgive. Even as we are forgiven. Where do we get that from? Isn't that in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our sins even as we, even, even, even as. We forgive those who trespass against us. 
So with the same measure you meet, it shall be met back to you, right? Well, I forgive him a little bit. You want God to just forgive you a little bit? God is serious about forgiveness. Jesus told the parable. We'll close here in a couple hours. Um, <clears throat> he told the parable. He, he said there was a king and one guy owed him millions of dollars. You know, if you were to translate it into our currency. Owed him millions of dollars. And the guy couldn't pay the debt. And the king had him and he was about to throw him and his whole family into debtor's prison to pay the debt. And the man begged for mercy. He said, King, I can't pay you now, but if you have mercy on me, I will pay you back everything I owe. And it touched the king's heart. He said, you know what? What's a million dollars between friends <laughs> to the king? I'm not going to throw you in debtor's prison. In fact, I'm not even going to hold the debt against you. We're good. Me and you are good. Mercy. But then the guy that got forgiven went out and jerked another guy up by the collar who owed him a couple of thousand and said, if you don't pay me, right now I'm throwing you into prison. He said, and the guy said, please have mercy on me. I, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you. Just give me some time. The same thing he had said, but he said, no, I'm not giving that. I'm not giving you any mercy. And he threw him and his family into debtor's prison. You see where I'm going with this? He wouldn't show the same mercy that he had received. And the people in the story went and told the king. And let's see what the king says about this. Jesus concluded in Matthew 18, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You know, if I was writing a book, I might, might have softened that a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, but he's God. and He just tells it straight up, don't he? So you, you do with that what you want, but I can tell you I don't know of anybody that I hadn't forgiven from my heart. I got people that hurt me. I got people that's done things to me. I might not still be in their life and don't want to be. But I am not holding stuff against them. And if I feel it coming back, and sometimes it tries to come back, the devil's throwing those fiery darts trying to get you re-stirred up. When it comes back, I have to remember that scripture and say, no, I know I'm going to need forgiveness, so I'm going to give forgiveness. And I re-forgive them if I have to. I don't know about you. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And if anybody in here don't know how much you've been forgiven and what Jesus, the, the price that he paid that you could be forgiven, then we need, to, we need to stay here more than a few hours to talk about the love that it took to forgive us. 1 Peter 4.8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. That's just who we are as Christians. We should be little love bags. I mean, just love plants. We just, we just produce love, you know, and, and, and 
And the love of God compels me to when I see I could, I could expose you and I could talk bad about you and I could go along with others and say, yeah, they did this or that. I'm going to say, no, the love of God covers my sins. He, don't, he ain't up there boast, telling everybody about everything I've done wrong. I'm not going to be out there telling everything that somebody else does wrong. Love covers a multitude of sins. I need coverage. <laughs> I'm selling coverage today, insurance. <clears throat> if Jesus died to take away somebody's shame, far from me to be the one that added back to him. What gives us the right? Mm. Romans 12.9 in the message paraphrase translation. In other words, I wouldn't maybe count it as scripture, but a paraphrase of scripture says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life to good. Be friends who love deeply and play, practice playing second fiddle. You know, in an orchestra, there's the best player gets to be in the first chair, and then there's another guy behind him. Well, God's, God's way of doing things is such humility. Even if you can play fiddle better than the person in the first chair, you prefer one another. You see what I'm saying? Love deeply. Don't fake it. Learn to cultivate the love of God. If you'll meditate on Jesus and what he did for you, it, it will cause the love of God to come alive in you. Are you a good friend to others? Some people will say, I'm a, me and so-and-so are best friends, but if you think about their, their conversations, it's just you unloading on them all the time. You tell them your problems. You tell them, oh, whoa, woe was me and this and that. But do you ever listen to them? Do you ever help them with their problem? Now, I've had people that, I'm just going to be honest, they make me talk. They make me spill my guts, you know. I, there's just something about their personality, and God sends people into your life to, to be your friend in a time of need. But be real friends back. How beautiful would it be if, if it was, I'm going to try to use a word that I probably can't pronounce. Reciprocatory. Well, that's that Whitehaven education. <laughs> Y'all think I can't talk. <laughs> okay, so before we leave, I'm just going to read you your do job description. Found in Luke 6, 36. It's going to sum up everything we've talked about today. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If we will take heed to this and be good employees, be good ambassadors, 
then God will fill his job description. This is found in Micah 7, 18. Micah says, where is there another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. That's what he delights in. And I think he may even delight more in you showing unfailing love. Because I know when my, I see my children doing the things of God, it excites me more than me doing the things of God. So, I'll close and say, are you in the restoration business with your Father in heaven? Or are you in the demolition business with your Father, the devil? It's kind of cut and dry, isn't it? Did you see any of these scriptures hedging a little bit? You know, unless you don't feel good that day. Did you see any of that in these scriptures? I probably could have just read the scriptures and closed the Bible and we walk out of here. I'm believing for a revival. And I'm believing that we're going to be in one accord and we're going to be ready. We're going to be loving one another. And our pool's not going to be sold. Our pool is going to be like crystal living water flowing from the throne of heaven. Because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we love each other. We love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Love, 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 love. <laughs> Stand to your feet. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.